In a world full of distractions, there is one big question on every dog owner's lips. How do I become more than just the person holding the other end of the leash? We all get dogs with a dream in mind, a vision of the future. And if right now your everyday reality isn't quite that picture you had in mind, you are in the right place. It really doesn't have to be this way. You absolutely can and will be more to your dog than just the person who gets in between them and the world. The key is you need to be more sexy. More sexy than the neighbourhood cats. More sexy than the jogger in the park. More sexy than that half-eaten hamburger they just found on the floor. And yes, even more sexy than the dog across the road. I'm Tom. And I'm Lauren. Together Together we're we're Absolute Dogs. Dogs. And you're listening to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast. And welcome to the Sexy Little Squirrel podcast, the podcast that gives you real life dog training results and sometimes even human results. Today, I'm joined by the wonderful Anne, Anne, who has been part of the Absolute Dogs community, Pro Dog Trainer, Training Academy, Sex in the Squirrel, a Pigeon and everything else that might be included. Literally, Anne, welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you? Oh, this is, um, I'm wonderful, Lauren. I'm thrilled to be, to be back chatting with you. And um, yeah, it's a great sunny day here in Southern Oregon. Actually, it should be a rainy day. We need the rain, but I'm happy, super happy. I love it. Now, um, I suppose a lot of our listeners, they already know um, a little bit about you. But for those that don't know a little about you, I'm going to introduce you as um, a great um, partner and friend of, of Absolute Dogs. You followed the program for right from the beginning. Uh, you're a pro dog trainer. You absolutely train concepts and games. And everyone knows a little bit about you being very passionate about your tracking and your scent work and you're getting out there and looking for um, for, for people. But lately, you've been doing a bit more gun dog training. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. I suppose, tell me, how did that come about? So it's kind of interesting, actually, um, a little bit of background. When I got my first dog, Connie, who was a Sussex Spaniel, and this was like 20 years ago, right? Or a little bit more even. Um, she actually introduced me to gun dog work. And I, I actually, I fell in love with it. Uh, she, she was easy to train. She steadied herself. Um, and then I got involved in search and rescue. We had moved and the gun dog stuff kind of went by the wayside. And then if just about, oh, I don't know, three years ago or so, I was taking this little hiatus from my search and rescue um, work. And I got an email from just a random email from a, a, a local person who from, um, from the kennel club and said, hey, there's this gun dog group training over at a wildlife area in the next town over um they're looking for people to come out and play and i'm like what a gun dog group spaniels and they're like yes yeah, spaniels and i'm like oh i'm i'm all over it and and i drove down there at their next session and um i haven't really looked back i've just been having so so much fun um, the group is fabulous. We actually, this last year, formed a club. So we're a new club, the Rogue Valley Sporting Spaniel Club. We held our first hunt test this last spring, and we're holding our first field trial. So it, it's been a pretty amazing, fun journey. 
Like I love, I absolutely um, really love that. Now I know because you're a pro dog trainer, you're a game changer, you're a concept-based trainer. You literally go all in uh, for everything that, that we stand for here at Absolute Dogs. One of my reservations sometimes for uh, going sort of gun dog is it's traditionally known as being very aversive. Um, or traditionally it has used much sort of stronger aversive training methods. I know that you're not probably quite as traditional um, as maybe some gundal trainers or aversive. Um, And I bet that you're using all of the methods that we use here at Absolute Dogs, the concept-based learning uh, to train your young cocker. Uh, How's that going? And what's it like in the US compared to maybe other places? Because I do know that you've traveled and you've seen other, other spaces. How is that going? You're not using the traditional methods. You're not using the aversive methods. You've come into it like full blown uh, positive reinforcement and, and concept-based learning. How is it? You know, it's been a really, really interesting journey and I'm, I'm enjoying the challenge. Um, I am learning a ton and yeah, I'm coming from, I'm coming at it from not a traditional, um, you know, avenue, so to speak, and I'm keeping it positive. And it has taught me an incredible amount about, Working, working with the dog in front of me, who is like incredibly driven, super, super driven, understanding what is reinforcing, not just, you know, toys and food, but the environment and how to use all those reinforcers that we have available to build the behaviors that we want. So that to me has been just phenomenal. The other thing though, is if it hadn't been for this group, and they are, they try to be very positive. They're not a hundred percent positive in, in the way we might think about it, but um, they don't do anything that is, um, you know, they're not mean, they're not, you know, they're not terrible in any sort of way. And they have taught me an, a tremendous amount. If, if it, if they hadn't been there for me in terms of teaching me what skills my dog is going to need, because I'd love to do a field trial. I would just so love to do the field trial. Fingers You're are crossed. I'm going to get You're it. You're going to do it. There's no chance. And I don't know who, just, who are you kidding? You are doing the field trial. I do. I so want to do it. I want to get us past the first degree. You are. I want to get us past the first bird. Right. Um, but I, so I go to training and I pester them, you know, it, it's gotten better because I've learned a lot in the last couple of years, but oh my gosh, when I first started, I was pestering them all the time about, you know, questions, questions, questions. What am I going to need to know? What am I, ha- you know, what, what are the requirements so that I can, as a game changer, I can try to figure out, okay, they might teach it this way, but I, I need to understand how it all works so that I can come up with my own games, um, to teach things. And so a great, a kind of a funny little example was the first couple of times I went to training and they're out there and they're firing guns and birds are being, you know, flown and, and all this sort of thing. I was in the parking lot playing boundary games because my little cocker, she was like, Oh my God gun dog stuff, birds, birds. And she started squeaking and barking and jumping and being a crazy little dog. And it's like, oh, we're not leaving the parking lot. So we spent quite a while in the parking lot learning how to be calm, to be patient, and then slowly moved out into the field. Um, 
and we're getting there. We're getting there. I have, I have a goal. So there's a, a really a fun trainer here in the United States. And when she was at our hunt test, she showed up at the hunt test with a little baby, cutest little baby you've ever seen. And well, maybe not quite as cute as Eliza, but she was really, really cute. To say. <laughs> You'll say good. So Andrea comes with this little baby and she's got working cockers and she's got baby in her left arm, shotgun in her right arm, and her cockers are walking at heel and she's going up to do like a hunt dead or a water blind. I can't even remember what it was now. And her, and her dog's just walking calmly, no leash, nothing just by her side. And I'm like, I want to be able to do that. And so that's what, not the baby necessarily don't want to do that, but just be able to, you know, to, to be able to have my dog in an environment that is so highly stimulating and that she can be happy and joyful and calm all at the same time, all using positive reinforcement. And we are getting there and it's, it's been phenomenal. It really, really has. Now, I love listening to this, and I know that there's there's lots of different um, levels, achievements, uh, goals, uh, spaces to be. I suppose, um, tell us a little bit about the levels. We've got junior, we've got senior, we've got master. Tell us a little bit about that and, and how it all works. Um, yeah, so um, those levels are in uh, our hunt test program, the American Kennel Club's hunt test program. We have do have the different levels, the junior, the senior, and the master. Now, Millie last spring earned her senior title, which I'm pretty excited about because I had never put that kind of a title on any dog. My Sussex earned a junior, but she earned her senior. So each level gets a little more complex. So at the junior level, the spaniels, they have to hunt in the field. So they have to be able to show um, controlled quartering in the field. They have to find and flush two birds and they do not have to be steady to wing or to shot, but they can't show like crazy chasing. They have to show control and they have to be able to retrieve the uh, the birds, not to hand, but within close proximity. So if the, if the dog drops it, it's okay. And then they have to do a simple water retrieve. For the senior level, um, they still have to be able to quarter in the field, find, flush, and retrieve two birds. Now it does have to be a hand. So the retrieves have to be to hand. And again, they don't have to be steady, but very limited amount of chasing is involved. I mean, you have to really, really show control over your dog. And then we also do something called a hunt dead, which is you walk your dog up to a line and there's no shot or anything. And you basically have to send your dog out uh, between 40, 50 yards and, um, preferably a straight line and send them, stop them if you can, you don't need to, and have them hunt for a bird that's fallen. And then you have to do a water retrieve and you do have to be steady at the water. So um, no, you know, you have to rock, rock solid right by your side when the the shot goes and the, and the bird, the cold game is thrown. So it's a little uh, more complex. The master 
they have to be steady to wing and shot. So and no chasing. Just nothing. so everyone knows, steady, Anne, um, what we mean by steady. So just be really clear for everyone as to what we mean by steady when we say steady to yeah. shot. So what's, so what's fascinating about this from, um, from not only the hunting perspective, the game that we're playing, because it is kind of a game here, right? It's a little artificial. Um, steady, they have to actually engage. So they have to engage the bird in terms of they have to flush it. So with the spaniels, this is the difference in the between the U.S. and the U.K., in the U.S., the judges really like to see a really, really strong flush. So they like to see the dog go in really hard. And if they do trap it, I think it's I think you refer to it as pegging. It's OK, where I know in the U.K. that is frowned upon, but they have to go in and engage the bird. So they have to go in and flush it hard. And then the minute that bird takes off, they have to sit. That no chasing, they just have to sit. So the cue for sitting is movement of the bird. And then a reinforcement of that is steady to shot. So when the shot goes off, they have to remain with their little behind on the ground. We can back it up with a whistle. I'm always wearing my whistle, it seems. Um, and then they can't go for that retrieve until the handler or the judge tells the handler, go ahead and send your dog, or they tap on the shoulder. And that's when you get to send your dog for the retrieve. Now, if the bird is missed, there's no retrieve. So they have to continue hunting. And that's really hard for dogs too, to also go, oh, wait a minute, there goes my bird. And it there it goes, there it goes, and there it goes. <laughs> So when you say that, though, it's 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 interesting because watching sort of the dogs work explosives and watching the dogs work in scent. So they're working explosive cash weapons. It is no different. They have to have that immediate control. And it's that like, bang, it's like they hit a force field and the control is immediate. And then off they go again, whether that's a ball, a toy, a recall off it, a play, whatever it is. And it's that, it's that instant bird goes up, sit, control. It's that yeah. not something. I love that. I love it that it's the same thing. And it's no different to my agility dog hitting an end position contact, stopping dead, and then flying around the agility course again. It's, it's the same stuff. I love it. It's, yeah, it's the same concept. And in fact, I, I had I had talked to so many gun dog trainers. Um, so I think of someone you know, um, Jordan from Cato. We spent a couple hours on the phone one day. He was helping me out. Several other uh, trainers, and I'm just, you know, question bugging them, questions, 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 trying to understand this whole steady thing. And then I'm sitting there, and you know how like you're brushing your teeth they're doing the dishes and all of a sudden it just comes to you and it just it just hit me like a brick a ton of bricks I'm like wait a minute this is no different than my scent work than my detection work the only real difference is that the source moves yes. <laughs> so source who's which is my pheasant or the chucker in the U.S. or my pigeon and if we had if we it had, moves if we had over here we might be sheep Right. It might be sheep. It might be that we were sheep dogs. Yeah, exactly. So, so I started. And so I thought about, it, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's making sense now. And, um, you know, I know scent work. I, I get that. So I, I, I dialed things way, way back and kind of did a little reboot. 
And like, you know, if I couldn't get Millie to sit to a tennis ball, there's no way she could sit to a bird. None. You know, if I couldn't get her to sit to kibble rolling down the driveway, there's no way I'm going to get her to sit to a bird. So I dialed it way back and layer after layer after layer. And she has incredible drive. I mean, her drive is through the roof and it's a happy, joyful drive. It's so much fun, but um, I, she's doing it. You know, we're not quite there on the game yet. We're getting there. She can do cold game, but um, we're almost there. We're almost there. And it's been just, a it's, I love I love that you can tie in uh, for me that was a wake up moment when I kind of went it's the same like it really is I love I love that so the point that you're at with your training is a little bit hard the steady point right like when you're starting to ask them to be really steady and you're starting to put that level of effectively a bit of control in so when you're putting that level of control in it's hard and it is it definitely can be a bit of a challenge tell us a bit about that yeah, so it has been a bit of a challenge. I actually think in a, in a in a kind of an odd way I built a little bit too much desire. So what I mean by that is um she's smarter than I am. <laughs> she's one smart little dog. She's good. She's and good. She's incredible. And um she wants to please me so so bad. And I her her desire to retrieve was what really made it hard because she was anticipating wanting to go get the retrieve item. So being steady to even to the retrieve was a little bit of a challenge. I had to change the picture. I had to change that anticipation, that prediction and say, Hey, you know what? It's okay that you don't go get that retrieve item because you're going to get something even better from me, or you're going to get another retrieve item in another direction. Um, I did add with her, and it's really helped with clarity, a leave that cue. Mm. And it means to her, and the way I taught it, it, it means to her, if you leave that, guess okay. what? Yeah. Better is coming your way. Yeah. So it's not a negative. It's like, it's okay. You can leave that. And guess what? We're going to play something else over here, and I'm going to match it, and it's going to be better. And that has really, really, really helped. Um, just building also different patterns, building disengagement patterns. So the pattern I started again with things like kibble, right? So throwing out a piece of kibble, running, having her run towards it, she has to stop. And then maybe she gets some cheese back with me. So building those little patterns in her mind that then I could start layering with the rabbit ball, which is exciting, but not as exciting as the tennis ball and just layering all the pieces together. It's been, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been tricky, but we're, like I said, we are, we're almost there. Well, I suppose you're a pro dog trainer. You're part of the training academy. You get concept-based learning. You like very much understand concept-based learning, which concepts are you finding most valuable to build upon and turn to the most right now? Um, well, desire, I still think, you know, even though I might've gone a little overboard with the desire, desire is still number one. I mean, if, if, because if you have that desire, you can use it for other reinforcement options. So you really need the desire and, and gun dog stuff, retrieve desire 
is really high on the list. I mean, that's really high on the list. The other big concept, disengagement, I've talked about that a little bit. That's another massive con- concept. So I I use disengagement. I think about that in, in almost everything I do now, and I see it in places where I never saw it before. And the other one that has been massive for me is impulse control. Mm-hmm. But I hate the word control. <laughs> so I changed the name. Yeah, because and and I taught I taught a workshop actually over when I was in Australia on this, and I've changed the name to trust in outcomes because I wanted and because as humans, I I just felt and I really hesitated almost te- teaching the work workshop because I felt as humans we hear the word control and at first we just we want to control the dog and and we we lose trust. So I changed it to trust in outcomes. And I, so I want my dog to believe that, again, if you don't do this, you're still going to get your cake and you're still going to get know, it. It's a good deal. It's, it's letting them know there is a good deal to be had. Um, yeah. Almost, um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel we need like a slappier word there. And I, I don't quite know what it is, but we can sleep on it for sure. Because I think we should talk a bit more on stimulus control or trust in outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel we need to somehow win people into it, like with a better, a lot. Yeah, it's just simple things. I mean, um, you know, one of the things that, um, and, and I'll talk about it in a, you know, in a second, but one of the things that, one of the funnest games I do with her, and we kind of joked about it when I was over in Australia, is I, I said, I came all the way, flew all the way over here to teach your dogs to sit <laughs> and just teaching, um, teaching them how to sit at a distance and building the picture in from the very get and sit joyfully, um, like sit joyfully, like sit like they love it, sit like their life depends on it. Like if you ask Easy to lie down, she lies down like it is her mission to be the best liar downer that you've ever seen. Like she, it's a passion behavior, right? Yeah, it really is. And because when you do sit, something really brilliant is going to happen every single time. It's always followed by that positive, right? Never the negative. And so it's, it, it's in their best interest to sit and um, yeah, just building the trust between the two that, Hey, you know, if you retrieve, if I put your tennis ball right in front of you, but I send you over the tennis ball to another reinforcer, that's going to be in your best interest. Cause you're probably going to get that tennis ball. Yeah. Just, so actually uh, it's, it's all about good deals, isn't it? Really? It's like a yeah, good deal. It's a, it's yeah. a good Thing. Yeah, exactly. Good deals. Uh-huh. <laughs> Tell me about one of your favorite stimulus uh games. So give give me a couple of um cool examples. Yeah, so again, I think my my favorite game is is actually kind of uh, the remote whistle sit actually. Um and I've taught it when I initially taught it, I taught it I think the way most people taught it um, you know, the hand raised or capturing it at dis- capturing it at a distance and throwing the food over the head or the ball over the head. But what I found um with with my dog even, and I saw it in so many other dogs, is they want to come close mm-hmm. because we usually have the reinforcer. Mm-hmm. 
So I kind of, again, went back to some of the way I teach tracking, um, back chaining methods, and then realizing that dogs, they really understand the picture of what you're teaching them. So they learn in those pictures. So I thought, where do, where do I want my dog? I want my dog maybe a hundred feet away from me. I'm not going to start quite that far, but I'm going to start at maybe 10 or 15 feet. And I'm going to have my dog in a sit and I'm going to put her tennis ball or really hard. I'm going to get a bowl out and put some food in it and put that right behind her. And I'm going to walk away. So it's in my dog's best interest now to be 10 feet, 20 feet, 30 feet away from me. And I'm going to get on the whistle again. I'm going to blow her sit whistle because that's exactly the, where I want that picture for her to be. Sit whistle. And then I'm going to release her to the toy or the food. And now it's like, wow, this was really cool to be this far away from you. The other thing that was interesting to me as I was playing that, and I video, of course, everything, is I noticed that those distances, when I first was increasing the distance to say 100 feet, even with the food or the tennis ball, she would creep forward because she wanted to be near me. She's like, I got to be near my mommy. I can't be that far away from you. Well, now I'm up to like, you know, 300, 400 feet. The other thing it really did, it gave her tons of confidence to be that far away from me. So I haven't been doing a lot of agility lately. I'm just too busy for it. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but the, her last agility trial, I was able to leave her on the start line confidently. I walked out three jumps to the tunnel and was able to start her from there. And all because I was playing this game. So you, so so you told I love that you're talking crossover on sports. I think this is great. I suppose, does your dog training ever interfere with your scent work or is there sort of overlap or even good overlap? Oh, excellent overlap. I've always actually used a lot of foundational gun dog stuff in my training, my foundational stuff for scent work, um, because I've always found there's lots of interplay. That game I just described has helped tremendously for indication um, at a distance. Again, having the dog being able to sit at a distance. I was at a training, oh, I don't know, a few months ago now with another game changer, actually, who was out visiting. Um, Kristen was out with her lovely little Archie. And um, so I was doing an, an unknown hide out in a, in a pasture area. and. Millie was, I want to say, 300 feet from me working, and she picked up over, and she just sat. It was a little, it was a spent shotgun shell. She just sat. It was it was phenomenal. But again, it came back from this game. So to give her the confidence to sit that far away from me, the handling. Oh my gosh! Um, if I need to clear an area, I can use my directionals left, right, back, over. I mean, all of that goes into my scent work. Just the hunting together aspect. This is huge. So I know um, we get a lot of questions on this and on the AD groups about hunting together, having reinforcement near us keeps proximity, right? It keeps the dog near us. So if I'm if I'm hunting uh, for gun dog stuff, I don't want the birds or the tennis balls or the dummies to be found out in front of me. I want them to be found near me 
And that's going to keep my dog hunting close because when they get into the training environment or into a testing environment or an arousal goes up, they're going to go long anyway. So I want to keep them close, but that really helps a lot in my detection work. Um, Massive payoff for sports, but massive payoff for, um, for general life skills, quite honestly, for a lot of, a lot of dogs, a lot of gun dogs in particular. I, I really agree on this because I, I know that for me, whenever we've trained agility, which I'm going to comment and needs to be higher on your agenda. Uh, no, I don't. I am. I am playing. Um, Keep up with her. <laughs> she's, she's so blooming good uh, that she's so stealable for agility. Um, the the thing is with gun dogs, whenever I've taken a gun dog on to train agility, it's been very, very easy. Because everything's already in place, right? Like any of the gun dogs that we've taken here at, at classes or residential training or anything like that, they're so easy to move across sports because they've got a lot of their basics in play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, they're building, you're building life concepts, I think, with gun dog stuff. The other thing, and I, and I didn't get it, I was going to mention it earlier and I didn't get a chance to, was um, when I look at the gun dog games and ways we can play, play them to benefit everyone, it also takes me back to that whole predatory sequence, sequence right? So the sniffing or the stalking and then the chasing and then the grabbing and you yes. know, if you're a carrier yeah. or the biting or whatever. Yeah. Um, most people start with trying to solve the chasing. And even with the gun dog stuff, I, you know, I want the dog to be able to listen to me during even the scenting sometimes. So for example, in a field trial, if my dog is hunting, they start in a brace. So I'm, I'm running in a brace. And if my dog is hunting and sniffing and the other dog in the other lane puts a bird up and there's a shot, my dog needs to disengage from the hunting and sit. So they need to be able to listen to those cues. So I play a fun game where when my dog is, and I play it when scatter feeding and I build a pattern into it where um, she's sniffing to find the food and I can use my whistle or just a sit and I can cue her to sit. I want to start building bridges between that, oh, that predatory, that limbic, that old brain and then the cognitive side to build the bridge between the two brains so that they can talk to each other and and how that transfers down the chain so i want to start the um the ability to call off the chase before we even get there and to recognize that so i can pull that whole sequence apart and play games to to start at the very very beginning you can see how that would work you can absolutely see how um and i bet people are listening going yes 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 and and yes so for those with cockers or other gun dog breeds or let's be honest any dog really like this doesn't have to be gun dogs and this is what i was trying to say earlier when we were mapping this one out I was like, this doesn't need to be gun dogs. Would you recommend gun dog work for, for dogs generally, even if they had no desire to trial or compete? Because I know there's a lot of people out there who have no competition desire, and yet they do have dogs that might suit this. 
Yes, absolutely. And and I will say a great place to start is with the AD Gundog badge. It's a phenomenal badge, foundational. It's very, very good. You guys did a nice job putting that together. Um, yeah, I do think, and not just for our gun dog breeds, but, you know, as you mentioned, all, all breeds, um, it, the relationship that it builds is, is just, it's a massive plus that you get out of it. And particularly for those breeds that are super sniffy. So our gun dogs, our cockers, any of our spaniels, you know, um, I also also think that. The the, the um, naughty but nice dogs. I think naughty but nice dogs, and I think dogs that are. I know you are such a spaniel girl. In fact, you're a brown spaniel girl. So you're not even just a general spaniel girl. You're a brown spaniel. But I, I also owning herding breeds. I think there's a lot of really cool, brilliant concepts here that help them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, that trust that being able to disengage, that building the relationship, that working together. Um, so it's not just, you know, the herding breeds, the the protection breeds, all of it is really, um, there's a term that is used a lot in the protection sports, capping. It's like being able to cap the drive. I'm sure you've heard it. And again, it's being able to, our dogs that are so driven, that go into that kind of, and we've all seen it, lights on, nobody home. And it's not that they can't hear. It's not that they're, you know, being disobedient. It's just they physically can't hear us. They, they really can't. And so to build those cracks in those tunnels between the two sides in the brain so that they can cap it, that they can um, maintain control. One of the things and I should have said, and, and I remember you mentioning to me, I was lunging with Millie and you said to me, can she do it slow? And I said, oh, that's a challenge. Let me give it a try. And I did. But to be honest, I really didn't understand that question until much later because I have worked with her so hard on being able to move slowly to being able to heal healing. I love obedience, but I always thought, oh, it's just a thing, right? It's just a a skill we teach. It doesn't have any use really, unless you're going to compete in obedience. Oh my God. Healing with Millie. We do one step at a time everywhere we can, because for these driven dogs, it's it's about them being able to control their bodies, to think in arousal, to think in drive, to control things when every fiber in their body says, I need to go. But yes, that incredible fast twitch and to being able to control it. And to me, healing is um, beautiful, just beautiful for that. So demonstrates. I do crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I do crazy things like in the morning, we heal to the potty area. It's just what we do. And it sounds completely wacko, <laughs> but um, she does it with a smile on her face and um, she offers it now. She's like, oh, I know we just heal out to the potty area instead of opening the door and her rehearsing running like a wild loon. <laughs> I suppose that leads really nicely into a question for you here. What are a couple of your favorite games or maybe just one of your favorite games that you like to play? One of your favorite gun dog games? 
probably my favorite game is my memory retrieve. Okay. I love, love, love memory retrieves. I play it a little bit different than most. So a lot of times I will ask Millie to carry, say, the tennis ball with her because she loves to carry. So I have her carry it all the way out to where we're going to put that memory. And then I ask her to drop it. So she's got, she's part of the game now. And this is what is so cool about this is she is now part of this game. It's not just me playing the game. She's in on it. So she's like, I got this. So she drops the ball. And then I say, come on. And we heal all the way back. And um, the last one we did was, I don't know, 150 meters or so. Um, there's a spot, our grasses aren't great right now, but there's a spot. I want to see if I can, she can do 300. I know it. And we just keep walking and walking and walking and walking. And then we turn around and she's, that's all disengagement, right? So that's all disengagement from the ball and proximity to me and engagement with me and trust in me that we're going to get someplace and I'm going to turn around and I'm going to send her back for that ball. And I love that. I can see how. I can see how with easy the fact that that's part of her um because she's the same type of she's she's cut from the same cloth um <laughs> she to be able to carry it and then leave it and then refind it like that really involves them in a different way right yeah it does and um it gives them the confidence to 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 run out you get beautiful straight lines um now, Millie is a tracking dog, so sometimes I think it's a little unfair because she knows to just follow that track as fast as she can, and she's gonna get she's gonna get the ball. But um, yeah, just the trust and the confidence to go and and to drive in a straight line. So you're teaching all these skills. You're teaching that straight line. And for those of you with labs, you need, especially in the U.S., you need straight, straight lines, straight straight lines. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but spaniels can do it too, right? So they can run a straight line and, and, um, yeah, it's, it's my favorite, favorite game for, and I actually use the other one. Anne. I, I want to hear yeah. another one as well. Just your sleeping. Okay. Another one, another one are driveway games. So I have a sloping driveway. So I, I don't play whip it as much because I can mimic the movement easily easier <laughs> my mechanics aren't great with whip it so we'll go up to the top of the driveway and um the fun i'll have that tennis ball and right now i can be behind her and i can let the tennis ball roll down the hill like a rabbit a fast wily rabbit and i can send her for it and i can stop her and she can run back to me to get another tennis ball now I gotta tell you, it took a long time to get there. And I started with kibble. So could a piece of kibble roll by? And could you stop and then maybe come back and get a piece of cheese from me? But there's a there's a contraption, and you've heard of it, I'm sure, called the bolting rabbit. Well, I thought, well, I gotta get one of these bolting rabbits. And I thought, you know what? She's gonna figure this out like after the first rabbit that it's fake. So it's going to work for one time. And then I'm going to have spent, you know, $40 plus shipping and handling. <laughs> it's going to be an expensive toy. So what can I, what can I use that I have already on hand to mimic a rabbit and to get some speed going? Hey, my driveway. 
resourcefulness, right? And it works like a charm and it's so much fun. And I'm practicing. And again, you have to keep the desire up. So sometimes I don't stop her. Otherwise she's going to get sticky. We all know that rule, but dang, if I can stop her and it would be no different than if she's on a, a running pheasant and I need to stop her. I love it. It's the I same it. thing. I love it. Yeah. I, I, I love it's it. It is the same thing. It really is. So I suppose listening and all of this sounds incredible. I know our listeners are going to be possibly, I think, a little overwhelmed, possibly a little worried, possibly a little like where they should start because we are coming in here and talking at a level that some people would only and could only right now dream of. So if someone has a naughty but nice dog or someone has a, a dog generally who's struggling, uh, but still would like to get interested and, and do a bit more, maybe uh, gun dog work. Do you feel that maybe the training academy, sex is a squirrel, like you said, the gun dog badge, do you think that's a good start for them? Do you think they'd be able to go in there? Uh, is that where they'd get their foundations to jumping into something like this? Yeah, absolutely. Phenomenal foundations. And what I what I've done, and, and I think a lot of game changers have done it, the more that that we understand and, and think in concepts now. Again, I think in concepts more than behaviors at this point. Um, we tweak and we make up our own games mm-hmm. to fit what we need. And so that's why when I first joined this gun dog group, I'm pestering them with questions all the time. What do I need? What what skills do my dogs need? And then I'd go into the academy maybe or or my own brain and go, how can I tweak that that cool academy game Get to this. fit this scenario? And that's how I come up with some of the weird and stuff I come up with. I know, I love it. And if, Anne, there was one game you keep going back to for you and Millie, like you just top it up all the time. You top it up, you top it up. Like for me, I top up retrieves all the time. I top up passion all the time. I top up um, my instant down all the time. Like what would be yours? Like if you were to sit, say, oh, the one I top up the most, it might be your heel work. Like what would it be? Oh gosh. Um, right now. So it's going to change depending on when we are, we are in our training right now. The one I'm topping up the most is disengagement pattern. Um, so that one I top up quite a bit and I'm topping up any of my trust games that I can sending from say one boundary to another, or I'm using my Cato boards, um, cause they don't slip. I, that is exactly why I like the Kato boards over any other boundary now. So I use my Kato boards because they don't slip. I honestly, it's my biggest reason because my dogs can run on them and they don't skip. I love yeah, that. And really lightweight, love easy to carry. I love and, it. No, it's so portable, so portable. So, so what I'll do, and um, you know, this is take, and I know you haven't, I don't know the remember the name of the game, but I've seen you do it in AD. Um it's, you know, I'll have my my boards out, and then let's say in between them might be a tennis ball yeah. or a piece of. Can yeah. she move over the two? Yeah. You know, so you know, just tweaking the games, and that is directionals. That is trust. That's relationship. That's disengagement. That's that's everything. It's everything. So honestly, Anne, I think what I hope that both you and me do here is is allow people to know that they are all welcome. They can all join in, that nobody's excluded from this training program, that nobody has a dog that couldn't take part in this, that everybody um, has an opportunity here. And whether you own a gun dog or a herding breed, you know what, there's still a space and a game for that, right? Absolutely a game for that. 
Absolutely. So, Anne, thank you so much for joining us. It's been, um, I think for lots of people, they will be blown away by uh, some of the things that you've said. I think they'll be like, oh my goodness. And this is definitely not for anyone to get overwhelmed. This is absolutely for you to get excited. And that was this episode of the Sexy in the Squirrel podcast. I absolutely hope that you like it, you share it, you love it, you send it to another person who wants a dog train, share it with gun dog owners and herding breeds alike. You know what, you name it. I'm sure that there's absolutely a way it will fit into someone's uh, journey. I would love um, you to continue sharing with us, Anne, so you you know you're always welcome back. Um, Thank you so much for joining us once again today. And remember... You'd be sexier than a squirrel. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Hey, before you go, have you taken part in the worldwide Sexier Than a Squirrel Challenge? It's a 25-day online video program, huge energy, amazing community, and over 100,000 people are already taking part. The only question is, you know where you are today. Where do you want to be in 25 days from now? Head to absolutedogs.me forward slash sexy.